I'm Chris Reback. Welcome to Quick Conversations, our podcast that explores the extraordinary world of global supply chain logistics, how it keeps business and life moving. Of all the logistics required to maintain efficient and exact global supply chains, temperature requirements surely are among the most fascinating. Ship something that absolutely must remain as cold as 196 degrees below zero Celsius across the world? Or how about a shipment that can't go any lower than 15 degrees Celsius while simultaneously and precisely never heating above 25 degrees Celsius? They involve extraordinary logistics planning, tracking the temperature at every step throughout transit, and using the latest innovations in packaging, a new world scientific and technological update to the old world's simple box. But for Paul White, Executive Vice President of QuickStat, it's only one of many challenges he's seen in some 35 years in logistics and sees today across the aviation and life sciences sectors, including the importance of strategically located conditioning facilities to help shorten delivery times of temperature-sensitive products, how to integrate emerging client requirements with new technologies to speed deliveries and improve efficiencies, or how to keep global supply chains moving, not just during anticipated crises like bad weather or Brexit deadlines, but also during ones no one knew were coming, like the Icelandic volcanoes 10 years ago or the coronavirus today. A note on timing and location. We caught up with Paul in the UK as Brexit was dominating the news and coronavirus was emerging. Before I get to discuss these topics with Paul, though, a quick ask. If you like these quick conversations, I'd appreciate it if you'd take a moment, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and if you're so moved, leave a five-star review. The reviews make a big difference in helping people find the podcast. Thank you for considering. Here's my conversation with Paul White. Paul, thanks for joining me. I appreciate your time. No problem. Thanks for having me. So I understand that you have been with Quick since 1985. So this should be a, an extremely short conversation because I can only assume that logistics haven't changed one iota since then, have they? I mean, you, you haven't had to learn anything new since 1985. No, it's all status quo. Yeah. Um, exactly. Nothing's changed. No technology advancements. <laughs> No challenges. It's all pretty much the same as it was in January 1985. Yeah, you know, I, I knew it. My that that was what my my research was showing. Uh, just in case my research was wrong, what's been the biggest change? I mean, you, you mentioned technology. I, have the biggest changes been on the fulfillment side or or on the client expectation side? That's a good question. I think it's um, a bit of both, really. We have to react obviously to our customers. We're customer focused. That's our business. The customers are king. That's what we all get out and go to work for. So um, that's our focus, really, is, is making sure that our customers' expectations are met every time they phone us and ask us to deliver a critical package for them. Who are your customers, Paul? Well, we have a wide range of customers. We work in um, a number of vertical markets, um, aviation, um, life sciences, which also includes um, clinical trial supply for clinical trials. It's a wide-ranging group of customers from airlines to pharmaceutical companies to banks to law firms uh, yeah pretty much across across every every uh, sector and as you were talking about the changes that you have seen um, over the years and I was asking you about the you know on, uh, where are the biggest ones on the quick side and technology or on the client expectations it, it sounds as if those are totally commingled. Um, I, I would assume that 
each side kind of ratchets up the other as technology improves, uh, expectations rise. And as expectations rise, um, new technologies are needed. Is it, is it in sync like that? Is there a, a pattern in, in that way? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think that, um, you know, we're fortunate enough to have our own in-house IT team who are all ex-operations background, so they understand our business, mm. and they're able to react to our needs, which are obviously our customers' needs. Um, and we've done a lot of really interesting stuff from a technology point of view um, with our websites, with our track and trace capabilities, with our online booking systems, with uh, as, uh, an example, we have a, a system called Cold Chain Manager, which allows us to manage the temp- temperature of shipments throughout their journey. So, yeah, I think I think uh, the way you put it is absolutely right. They do commingle. The temperature management technology um, is something I'm really excited to get to talk with you about. But before we get into those um, those specifics, just tell me quickly a little bit about you, your your background, um, your areas of business, um, you know, and, and how do you how do you get into this in the first place? Uh, well, that's an interesting story. Um, I was I, I joined Quick in January 1985. I was working in another company uh, in the same building. Um, and one day I went back to see the Quick team and got offered a job and accepted. And, and that was the start of my journey, really. Um, and from there, you know, when I joined Quick in the UK, we were only three people. Wow. We're now 180 plus. Um, and my journeys see me go through operations at every level um, and then ventured into commercial um, I ran the UK office uh, for a number of years, and um, we've since gone more into our vertical markets. I now play a part in in both areas of um, aviation and uh, QuickStat, which is our clinical trial supply division. Um, and I manage um, the, the biggest customer within that group. Um, and then I support our aviation guys, um, more so from an Asia perspective. I've been given... Uh, the Asia side of our business to um, to manage. I, I extensively travel out to Asia and Australia to support the people we have on the ground in those areas, and to um, you know increase our business levels. So, so if I'm understanding you correctly, um, you're a logistics fellow who. Uh, 35 years ago happened to walk into the wrong office in the same building. And as long as you were there, they offered you a job. I guess it was that straightforward. That's how it happened. Absolutely <laughs> right. I imagine that it went a little bit more complicated than that. But uh, that's that is that's a funny story. It's a really good story. Um, let's talk about two of the divisions that you just mentioned, um, aviation and the QuickStat life science logistics. Um, On the one hand, uh, totally different industries, obviously. Um, And and what I'm curious here is what you're hearing from your clients in these two spaces. Um, You you know, my guess is that there may be overlap at the highest levels, um, but like everything else in life, the devil is in the details. Um, what are their pain points? What are their most critical challenges? And is it are their needs um, kind of at the fine strokes? Um, are their needs really unique and customized based on the different uh, sectors that that those those clients of yours come from? 
Uh, well, from an aviation perspective, obviously the key is to keep aircraft flying. That's how they make their revenue. For them, they have more of a criticality point of having parts delivered within a period of time. Um, they're, they're arranging engineers to be able to be available to fit parts of the aircraft so the aircraft can get flying again. Um, so there's much more emphasis on speed when we're dealing with aviation customers. More so, it's more about integrity of, of the product that they're shipping. So that comes again to the temperature management of the products um, uh, and, and supply and continuous supply. Um, often there are times, though, where it's patient critical. Mm. Patient needs to be dosed yeah. and um, they're waiting for the product to be delivered within a certain period of time. And as we enter into into new phases of drug development, um, we're now seeing a lot of uh, cell and gene therapy studies that are being approved um, and they have a much shorter uh, life cycle. So um, uh, speed becomes critical for those customers. I know your focus is global, but are there certain geographical regions that you specifically are focusing on? Me personally, um, UK and uh, Asia, Australia, um, uh, we have an office in London, we have an office in Paris, um, we have obviously uh, people on the ground in Singapore and in Australia and Dubai. We are making some expansion plans um, currently, which we're going through, so we're going to be beefing up our operations in Singapore and Australia um, to cover that region and give it more support. So they're my, they're my primary focus points from a, from, a, from a region perspective. Let's just talk about each one of them briefly. Um, tell me about the logistics. What, what are you um, dealing with in terms of uh, trying to ship in or out of those areas? How is this affecting um, the, the way you think about keeping a global supply chain and your clients' global supply chains running? Um, what questions do they have for you? Uh, how much is the coronavirus affecting um, or changing what you do, and, and how are you reacting to it? The coronavirus is having impact. The flights are being cancelled. From a from a life science perspective, our customers are asking us how could we get product in? Do they need to ship more um, in one go so that they've got continuous supply once the product arrives? But I think that it's just really down to um, capacity would be an issue uh, at certain points. And as airlines either take flights off or add flights back in, that will obviously have an impact. Well, your areas are very much in the news because your other area, UK, um, has just uh, undergone Brexit. What has what has that done for you and uh, what has that done for your clients? It's caused a lot of uncertainty. Um, we still don't know um, where we stand. We've, we've, we've got this deal until um, December 2020. And, and in the meantime... Obviously, the UK government has to um, formalise trade deals with with Europe and the rest of the world. Lots of our customers have invested heavily in building facilities in Europe so that they are now in Europe. Um, from a from a clinical trial perspective, when you're releasing product to patients, it has to be QP released. Um, and under the legislation prior to Brexit, um, you could release products from the UK into Europe. Since we've Brexited, um, we cannot release product from the UK into Europe. It has to be released from within Europe, hence our customers creating facilities within Europe. So that's terrific because uh, logistics weren't challenging enough previously. Yeah, it, it's, been a, it's <laughs> been a challenge and a yeah. worry, and, and more so because um, lack of information, of, of true information. Mm. Um, personally, I think, you know, my personal opinion, I think we'll see a soft Brexit 
Um, and I think that, you know, some things will obviously change, but from a logistics standpoint, I, I, I'm not saying it will be as it was, but um, we'll be ready for any challenges ahead. For the logistics business, information has to be among the most important commodities, isn't it? Oh, totally. Yeah, we, we, can't, we can't live without information. In a way, would you almost say you are in the information and communication business? That is a huge part of what we do, and that's what stands us out from our competition. Um, you know, we've always, always, always communicated to customers, sometimes to our detriment, because we <laughs> give them bad news sometimes, and, and, and they, they, they don't like bad news, obviously. But we, we always communicate um, 100% of the way. We have certain milestones that we update our customers on continuously. Um, uh, we do that so that they can react. I mean, if we, have a, if we have an engineer waiting for a part, and unfortunately a weather delay has caused the aircraft to divert or be late, rather than the engineer just standing around waiting for the part to be delivered, we, we then update our customers so they can reschedule. And that in time saves them time and money. Not communicating bad news immediately, I assume, turns into much worse news later. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more with that comment. You have to communicate to your customers. You have to let your customer know what's happening with their parcels. I imagine so. So uh, let's talk now about temperature management. Uh, it's a, a fascinating capability. Delivering that, a temperature management capability, um, uh, is all part of a day's work at this point. End-to-end um, -end temperature management solutions um, are must-haves, especially, obviously, for life science clients' global clinical supply chain. Um, tell me about how you make that happen. What are the keys to end-to-end -end temperature management solutions? Okay, well, um, we have designed um, within our system a temperature management system uh, whereby we enter information about the pack-out of a shipment when the shipment was packed out with with the appropriate packaging and we set we start the clock and then the clock starts to tick down and our customer services teams monitor that throughout transit um, we provide um, vip packaging um, which generally is validated for 96 hours at 228 vacuum insu vacuum insulated packaging yeah vacuum insulated packaging yeah um, and it's it's 96 hour validation Two to eight degrees, fifteen to twenty-five degrees, minus twenty. Um, we then have other solutions for minus eighty, which would be dry ice shipments, mm. and then we go deep frozen, which is cryo shipping, which is a uh, minus hundred ninety-six. <laughs> so we've got the we've got the technology through the packaging to be able to ensure that temperature is maintained throughout transit, and with the new packaging solutions, we're able to hibernate um, en route. So. If we arrive into Sydney, Australia, as an example, it, it's a it's a long transit time. It's the furthest, other than New Zealand, it's the furthest transit that we go. Um, so we're using the energy of the box throughout transit. However, on arrival, um, the shipments are then either stored in the appropriate temperature, fifteen to twenty-five, or or, or two to eight, and 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 the ship the shipment the box stops working and and allows the temperature around it to take over. Um, and it saves its energy. And then once we take it out of storage, it then restarts. So it's been a revolution for us in, in um, managing temperature. Temperature excursions have, have almost, almost disappeared. We don't really see any temperature excursions because of the packaging. We see an excursion because it's opened by customs outside of the wrong temperature or um, it's opened in, in, in an office outside of the wrong temperature. That's the only time we see a spike um, in temperature. We also use um, – the airlines offer – 
temperature management services. So we we always use temperature management services with the airlines, which is more expensive. Um, um, however, it means that we know that on arrival, the goods will automatically be stored in the right temperature. So tell me more about that packaging. You, you said you use the energy of the packaging, the energy of the package. Really, t- tell me about that technology. What an extraordinary thing. What, what does it mean? So, okay, so we, we have, to, we have a, a, a box. It has panels in it um, that need to be conditioned at the right temperature. Um, once those panels are ready, they go back into the box, and that box is closed. And if it's a T2H shipment, that box inside is, is a fridge. It's maintaining T2H um, temperature for 96 hours. What the new packaging with the vacuum insulated panels allows us to do is that if we put that box into a fridge, the box stops working and the fridge takes over, maintaining two to eight temperature. Mm. Um, with the old star packaging systems, gel pack, water-based systems, if you put the box into a fridge, the box is still working and the fridge is working and it goes too cold and therefore creates temperature excursion. And um, one of our customers five years ago, decided that they wanted to get away from the gel-based water systems because they were seeing too many temperature excursions um, within their network. Um, And between the two of us, we collaborated and introduced the VIP packaging into their supply chain, and their temperature excursions have gone to almost zero. Wow. Um, Therefore, you know, no loss of product, hardly any loss of product, um, and some of these products are in the millions of dollars, um, which obviously is, is a worry. Um, but also it's about um, uh, critical supply to patients and, and having enough product. You know, manufacturing lead times aren't always the shortest. They might not be manufacturing space. And if you, if you have a temporary excursion and have to dump um, the product, you may not be able to get any sometime soon. And then you're left with patients obviously needing, you know, needing their, 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 their drug supply. What would be examples of the types of products that you are shipping at, uh, you know, two to eight degrees Celsius or 15 to 25 or, or, you know, interestingly down below zero, the minus 25 to, to minus 15. And then crazily, you even mentioned minus 196 degrees. W- what are the products that you're shipping and needing to maintain at that time, those various temperatures for, I guess as much as 24 hours. Well, longer, up, up longer to nine, even. 96 and above. Wow. Um, so um, particularly when we go into, into uh, destinations where there are uh, longer customs controls, we may have shipments that are hibernating in a, in a fridge for two weeks. Um, but the packaging and the technology has allowed us to be able to do that. In the past, um, we'd have run out of energy in the box and we'd have had a temporary excursion. Yeah. Um, so in the in the products we're shipping would, would you know in the main at two to eight fifty twenty five minus fifteen to twenty five would be um, a clinical trial supply drug product um, the, the the and and tissue supply um, the the colder temperatures minus eighty would is really around um, the blood samples coming back to laboratories for testing so they often come back in a frozen state. And then at, at, the, at the really low temperature, the, the minus 196, the cryo shipping. Yeah. That's the new technology with the cell and gene therapy. So when a patient um, is being treated and they have their apheresis removed, their cell and gene so fundamentally, 
they, they're tending to be shipped at, at minus 196. And in addition to the packaging innovations, um, you also have been creating conditioning facilities around the world. Where are they? And how do they play into your ability to provide just-in-time solutions um, that actually improve turnaround times? I mean, this all started again with with a particular client. Five years ago, we were invited to a, to a to bid process, which we were successful in. They wanted to have um, a reusable shipper, um, hence the VIP packaging that we introduced into their into their supply chain. Yep. Um, but to do that, we had to be close to to them. So we opened a facility thirty minutes from their door. Um, and we condition all of their packaging and supply on, on a daily basis. Wow! Um, and that was our that was our grounding, really. And, f- and from there, we've continued to open um, conditioning facilities within our partner network. Korea Korea is the next one to be ready, which will be next week. Um, and it just means that we're not having to ship packaging into country, um, which has a cost associated to it. It also means that um, supply is, is much faster. We can react much quicker. But, you know, we're on their doorstep. We can have a package delivered to, to our customers within 30, 30 minutes. And then they're, they're not waiting um, to or worrying yeah. about when the package is going to turn because they can't ship without the packaging. So they're not worrying. They, they know that supplies is readily available. And each of these facilities was designed, mapped and qualified according to EU GDP guidelines? Yeah, and then we were audited um, by our customers. <laughs> I, I would um, expect so. Yeah, and then they they um, tell us where we need to improve, um, which is which is great because um, you know you don't get everything right every time, um, and it's always good to get positive feedback from your customers and help. Obviously, it's yes. it's about partnership. Really, it's mm. about we all want the same goal. We're all we're all trying to achieve the same thing, which is to deliver critical supply within temperature. You know, going back to one of the the first uh, points that we talked about in this conversation and how the changes that that have occurred within your industry and the play between the interplay between the technological technological changes and the customer client expectations you just talked about facilities you just talked about packaging two key innovations that that you have made and both of them were in to use your word direct partnership with the clients they were based off of it sounds like listening to what your client needed and then working with the clients to create solutions a hundred percent um we're, we're we're client driven um and you know our customers come to us they look for solutions if we don't have them readily available we will go and create them um and make sure that the, our customers are getting exactly what they need at all times. Without, without you know, partnership, it can't be a one-way street. It has to be a two-way street. Investment has to be made. Mm. Um, and our clients, you know, thankfully understand that and understand that they need to give us their support for us to be able to make the investments that's required for the end result, which is um, supply to patient fundamentally from a life sciences perspective. Yeah, no doubt. Now, you just mentioned the audits that the clients will do. Um, is that, obviously, that's because they want to meet their their requirements. Um, are they facing and or are you facing um, industries that are more regulated? How, how have regulations and, and increased regulations, how has that impacted client expectations? 
Uh, predominantly, we we are we're audited from the life sciences industry. Um, they have very strict guidelines. Obviously, they're dealing with with product that's going to be consumed by human. Yeah. Um, so there's there's many 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 regulations around that. Um, but every year we have more audits. Uh, every year, m- you know, more more we have to do more audits of our supply chain. Yeah. We have to make sure that everyone's on the same quality management system. We have to make sure that that's trained out through our network. In listening to you, I think about what your clients are doing. I mean, you just talked about it. They're, they are delivering life-saving science and capability, and te- you know, to do the most sacred thing to save lives. And uh, um, everyone's—it sounds like everyone's just pushing each other to be able to do more and better uh, every single time. Absolutely, um, it's it is life-saving for yeah. sure. Um, so you would expect lots of regulations around that. You'd expect lots of quality around that. Um, and that's what we're striving to deliver every time. So, so I can understand how you prepare every day for the expected unexpected. What about the unexpected natural events, whether that's from weather to, you know, obviously, as we talked about a moment ago, uh, elements like the coronavirus? How do you how do you plan for or manage the unexpected, unexpected events? Well, we have a team um, of people within the quick group who are who are managing this on our behalf, managing weather, managing uh, critical events, earthquakes. Um, volcanoes, bushfires in Australia, as an example. Mm. Um, and they feed back to our customer services teams. Each of our control towers in our network has live new feed. We have televisions with live news feeds coming into the facilities. So we're all constantly up to date with what's going on around the world. Wow. Um, and then we will have, we'll have, um, meetings at a senior level if it becomes very critical to decide how we're going to manage expectations of the customers. Um, so we'll have, you know, and business continuity, it's all about business continuity. I mean, a few, well, a number of years ago now, there was the volcanic eruption in Iceland um, yes. and that caused no, no end of, of, of challenges for sure. No aircraft were flying in Europe. It was, it was a scary scene, scary scene to look at the sky and not see any aircraft. Hmm. So then we had to work out how we were going to manage um, our customer shipments and having direct drives back from Russia, as an example, to make sure that, that they're. Blood samples were delivered in time back to the laboratory for testing. Um, but we've been doing it a long time and we've learned a lot. Um, and everyone goes the extra mile to make sure that we're supporting our customer. That's exactly what I wanted to just ask you about because we, we've been talking about the technology. We've been talking about the facilities, the packaging, um, the cutting edge IT, the, the work that your technology teams, internal uh, technology teams are doing. It, it's critical. Um, but we all know delivering reliable logistic solutions can't live by technology alone. What about the people? What what kind? Of course, they are excellent. But what kind of expertise, experience, um, is needed to give the urgency and, as we were just discussing, the last minute decisions that need to be made? Often, totally unexpectedly, volcanoes, fires, viruses. Um, you know, of the shipments you're looking after. Uh, we have a very dedicated team. We have a we have a team of long tenure. Uh, as you know, as we've discussed, I've been uh, with the company 35 years. I'm not the only person in the 30-year bracket. There are many more. We have many, many people in the 20-year bracket and, and many in the 10-year bracket. Wow. Quick's a, Quick's a really good family. We, 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 we seem to join and we don't leave. Um, 
And through that, you know, collectively, we gain experience. We learn from the people who've been been there a long time already. They pass on what the expectations are of, of Quick as a company and, and, and what our customers' expectations are. Yeah, it sounds like an ongoing combination of expertise and judgment. I guess like any professional space, it's just in your particular case, you're dealing with, uh, you know, life-saving products, uh, natural disasters, you know, viruses that come out of anywhere, the regular, you know, changes to travel or, or transportation that occur. Um, but that combination of experience, I guess, uh, experience gives us judgment. The, the, you know, speaking for myself, the, the older I get, the, the wiser I seem to believe I am. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. I think we all feel like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's a matter of, you know, most things that we experience have happened before. So it's making sure that we've learned, learned from those, from those experiences, learn lessons that can be learned and that we play them out, um, when we face a similar situation. Um, you know, we've had uh, volcanic, we've had uh, earthquakes, We've had bushfires. It's making sure that we're on top of it. We're feeding back the information to our critical people and they're in turn feeding back to our customers so that they can arrange their supply chain in the right way. Can you sum up what, what would your and, and Quick's chief goals and priorities be over the coming few years? What, what trends do you see and in, in new technologies? Um, what is it that you want the clients you support to know? So our goals will always remain to be customer focused. Our goals will always remain to continue to deliver for our customers. We always want to be number one choice for our customer. We always want to stay ahead of our competition. So to do that, we have to work very hard. We have to innovate. We have to use new technologies that that, that will undoubtedly be available now, tomorrow, next week, next year. And I guess you'll just continue to hope that nobody asks you to guarantee temperature management at minus 296 degrees that that would really be crazy well that would be crazy and i'm not sure that exists but <laughs> <laughs> however okay however. We'll, we'll we'll give you till tomorrow <laughs> yeah exactly paul thank you thank you for your time and and thank you for what you do you know particularly obviously in the life science areas where these products are life-saving um thank you what you do for uh patients all over the world every day that was my conversation with Paul White. My thanks to Paul for joining and you for listening. To learn more about Quick's global logistics solutions or to subscribe to our podcast, go to quick.aero. That's A-E-R-O slash podcasts.